Welcome to Navigating Real Estate, where we discuss the skills, strategies, and success mindset you need to become a top producing real estate broker. I'm your host, Ryan Bucola. Many homeowners today are looking for the liberating feeling that comes with space-efficient, sustainable housing. Hiatus Homes has been making waves in the world of sustainable architecture and design, redefining what it means to create small footprint, net-zero homes in Central Oregon. Their commitment to minimizing environmental impact while maximizing comfort and style has captivated both residents and sustainability enthusiasts alike. Are these the homes of the future? They are certainly ready to be. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with visionaries behind Hiatus Homes. Welcome, Jesse and Ryan. Thank you so much for uh, having us come and talk with you about this stuff. Absolutely. Jesse Russell, a Ben native, founded Hiatus Homes in 2015 after returning home from traveling and working in cities such as New York City and Los Angeles. Seeing the large cities and the large footprints they created, Jesse wanted to find a way for people to have the option to make a difference. Having grown up in Bend, Jesse has seen the community grow and the price of housing rise. He knew something could be done, and after building a tiny home in a friend's backyard, media attention was received, and from there, Jesse created something amazing. Ryan has managed eight investment funds across real estate debt, equity, and venture capital, specializing in capitalizing construction and development. In concert with Hiatus Homes' goal of providing housing to a new type of buyer, Ryan aimed to provide local investors with access and opportunities to invest in development projects in their own community. He structured the Hiatus Capital Fund to be owned and funded primarily by local investors who live in Bend, Oregon. When a project is financially successful, the profits flow back to the people who have invested into the local community instead of out-of-area professional investors. Welcome, Jesse and Ryan. We are thrilled to have you here today to learn more about your communities and your model of residential development. Thank you. Yeah, we're thrilled to be here too. It's awesome to have you guys here. Yeah, thanks. This is such a hot topic in our community right now. Like our, our real estate market is shifting and, and Bend is still growing and um, it's getting harder to, to do development. Money's more expensive. We got a lot of, a lot of, it's, it's complex right now. It's really complex. Yeah, it's super complex. And, uh, you know, having come back here, we were in a housing crisis and we've been in one for a long time. Um, and the city has done tons of stuff. The state has done tons of stuff to try to, to try to alleviate that crisis. And now I feel uh, like we're going to be going into it, uh, an, an even worse one now that the economy has shifted quite a bit. A lot of the builders are slowing down again. And so the main, you know, the main problem is inventory. Uh, you know, the Oregon land use laws that we have are great because we don't have a lot of sprawl, but um, it makes it so it's really difficult to get buildable lands within our city. Um, so we have to densify our city and we have to try to get inventory within the city um, and so we, there's a lot of stuff that's been done, a lot of work that's gone into that. But, um, when the greater economy shifts again and the builders slow down, uh, you know, I think it's going to exacerbate the problem again. Yeah. So it's, it's a really difficult problem to solve. And there's, there's a lot of, a lot of different solutions. I don't think there's one thing out there that's going to be, uh, the silver bullet for this. So. Right. It's interesting. You have all these factors all in within a market, 
right? So in, in the truest form of a market, you have inventory, you have, you know, you have supply, you have costs, you know, so you have like all of these ideas about, hey, we need housing for people all the while all the components of the thing are shifting in cost and availability. And it just, you know, it, it's really challenging. Yeah. I mean, the cost of money as far as like interest rates is one of the biggest factors that's shifted this business over the last year. I mean, with the, with interest rates going from, you know, essentially zero to five plus in, you know, 12 or 16 months, it just totally changed the game. And so like Jesse says, we were on, um, in some ways, we're starting to catch up. We're still way behind in our inventory. We did a study a year or so ago where we estimated that uh, Deschutes County was short about 5,000 housing units. Um, and uh, then now with the cost of money going up, a lot of builders slowing down, it seems like that's just going to get a lot worse. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what kind of shakes out with this. Housing saw... Uh, you know, huge cost increases. Well, um, and almost a little bit before uh, inflation was headline news for the consumer, and everybody was like, "Whoa, gas is going up, and and cost of food and energy and all is going up." Housing and building supplies, we're seeing just huge acceleration in um, costs going into that, and so you know, we've also dealt with that. Um, and so you know, a lot of the things that the city's done. Um, to help grease the wheels have helped a ton because there's been these other headwinds over the last year. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's just never easy. Like just when we think we have it figured out, the whole thing shifts, right? Yeah. Well, and especially in an industry where we don't manufacture housing on demand, it's not like we say, oh, we need a little home or a bigger home or a home here. We have to plan two and a half years in advance of what our housing product is going to be on that piece of dirt. Right. And I, and if you predict wrong what the market's going to want two and a half years from now, it's hard to shift. You know, you certainly can within degrees, but it's hard to shift it. And so, um, yeah, I mean, the speed of manufacturing when you're starting with raw land and going through subdivisions and infrastructure means it's it's hard to adapt to those shifts. The risk is just, you know, it's huge. The risk is huge. Yeah, and I think that's something that's lost on the general public sometimes. Um, even, even in some of our public meetings, you know, we've been called developers from California that, you know, are just with deep pockets that are trying to, you know, fleece, fleece bend. And uh, it's, a, it's about educating people too on the risk that a developer takes. And so we try to talk to people about that too, that, you know, we're looking at these projects that are over a couple years, um, and we we don't fund these ourselves. We have to go out and get uh, other people to believe in the project and to put money into the project. Um, and we risk, you know, we sign at this point in our careers, we sign personal guarantees. So at any point, um, one of these goes really bad, you know, we could lose anything that we've built up at that point. Um, so, you know, we don't, I think we do this more as a, it's almost more of a mission for us because we care about the community, grew up in the community. Our kids are growing up in this community. And, you know, when I was here in the 90s, when my parents bought their first house, you know, it was over on the west side. It was, I think it was $89,000, three <laughs> bedroom, three yep. bath. Um, you know, and when I got back, I was living in Los Angeles, working as a TV producer down there. And I was just like, how can I get out of LA and get get home? You know, and I saw 
I saw this uh, this tiny house movement happening. Uh, I was pitching some shows to this network and they were gonna have Tiny House Nation as their first show. I'd never heard of tiny houses and I went back and I uh, looked it up online and I was like, well, th this would really work and bend, I think. You know, and that started this kind of journey to where we are now sitting here. We've got four develop. we've done two developments. We've got about four going right now. So, um, and that wasn't really by choice. We, uh, Ryan and I have always said that we want to be pulled into things, not push into things. Um, meaning that, uh, you know, we're not trying to be the biggest company that there is in some huge production builder. Um, we are, when we see an opportunity that we think is going to fit for our product, uh, we go down that road. So it's been a really interesting journey, certainly to, um, first see how, uh, the tiny house movement kind of for us morphed into just small, efficient homes and then how well that's been received by the buying community, the city, the state. Um, when we started, uh, you know, it was illegal to have a 500 square foot house, um, you know, on a small lot, uh, you, you couldn't do that in the RS zone. It was mostly 4,000 square foot lots. Now you see ADUs. We have, you know, four different codes that support these smaller homes. We have micro apartments. We have small unit development code. We have two different cottage codes. Um, and while we've been a part of some of that, um, this is mostly coming from the state and our city. Our city gets kind of a bad rap sometimes. Um, but there's people down there that are working so hard to try to help figure that problem out with us, with the developing community and the building community. So for me, it's been really interesting to be like, you know, luckily the hometown that I came back to, to try to do this thing was Bend. Cause Bend, um, you know, is in the forefront of, right. of code, yeah. code creation to, to support these smaller, denser uh, uh, products that will add inventory, you know, to our city. What I think is really commendable for you guys is that you've been able to grasp and um, get in line with the code, right? And not fight. <laughs> you know, most people, yeah. most people are like, "How can I go and build six thousand square feet for three point two million dollars?" Like, or, and like, you know, that. And I think what you guys, have, what I think is really unique to what you guys do is what I'm seeing is you guys are saying, "Okay, here's where there's some opportunity." based on the code that's coming out and we can really get ahead of this thing and, and, and harness it. So, you know, what are some unique features of a hiatus home that you guys are, you know, you mentioned ADUs, tiny house. What, what do you guys do that separates you from, from other home builders in the marketplace? Yeah. Uh, the first thing we did was density. I mean, that was really, um, the size of the house. You know, if you're trying to make, uh, if you're trying to make a net zero ready house or a net zero house, or really make a house really efficient, the first thing you do is reduce the square footage. As soon as you reduce that square footage, your utilities are now having to heat and cool a much smaller area. Um, it's much easier to make the envelope of the house tighter um, so that uh, so you're not as drafty as a traditional house. Um, you know, so that's been uh, some of the innovation. It really is just the size of the house. And then the density, you know, we after building that first uh, tiny house on wheels, um, which uh, I built with my friend Kit in the, his backyard in the Shoots River Woods. Cool. I was in LA and I was like, hey, Kit, I want to come home, man. And uh, I want to build this house. You know, what do you think? And he had a huge shop out there. So it took us probably eight or nine months to build that thing. And then um, uh, we had the first Ben Design Conference was going to happen and uh, they asked us to be in there. So there was a lot behind the library and I wanted to live in the house so that when we did our talk and had people tour the house, they could see what what's it like to live in this kind of small space. And uh, yeah, the city was like, no way, you, you, you can't live in that, it's an RV. 
Um, and so that was, that was like something that was really difficult in the beginning with the tiny houses on wheels and continues to be that way, which is they're not attached to land, right? They're not attached. Um, so what are they? And that, that was a difficult thing for the city. So, um, you know, at that time in 2015, um, the city adopted the cottage code, which was a really big deal at the time. They didn't have to do that. And they adopted the cottage code and, all of a sudden it was like, oh, we don't have a minimum lot size anymore and we're able to build these small units. So um, I had worked at Aero Rentals uh, when I was in my 20s. Uh, my boss was Darren Kelleher. He's a real estate uh, developer in town. Called me up, he said, hey, there's this piece of land. Um, it's three acres. I think it'd be perfect for what you're trying to do. And I went out there and I looked at it. I was like, no way, I'm trying to do like four houses on a lot, not 22. Um, and he helped me to get through the development process. We were the first ones to use that cottage code, um, you know, and that was a that was a great success uh, financially. And I think um, also was successful to show people like, hey, people will live in these smaller homes. Um, and the price points were, you know, were really low at first. Now they're really high. They resell right. for for really high amounts. You know, our, our first house sold for, I think it was two seventy or two thirty five. Yeah, two thirty. Yeah. Yeah. And the last one for 330, they kind of notched their way up. Right. But that just shows you about the demand. You know, the first one's at 230. By the time we got to 22, it was up a hundred thousand dollars, almost 50%. Um it's a real litmus so, test. Yeah. Uh, that that last home was also net zero, and that was our first net zero home that we'd done. And so that was a little unique. Um, but as Jesse said, today those things are trading for like 410 to 440. Um, and so you know, it's interesting. A lot of people ask us like, well, what's your per square foot price? And we're like, you know, I don't want to tell you or don't, you know, <laughs> don't judge us based on our per square foot price or build costs because they're both really high. But uh, we're like, our customer is not buying square feet. Our customer is buying a unit to performance. live in. Yep, yeah. exactly. They want performance. They want location. They want minimalism. They want size. They want uh, great design and everything. And so... Um, yeah, I mean, that development was just such a success and it was capitalized by 20 local investors. Uh, a lot of them were local. A lot of them were Jesse's friends <laughs> and, you know, true you friends take, and family. Yeah, yeah exactly. I know you learn how your friends take are one for the team here let's go. To, to write your check. Uh, and it was, um, but it was really successful for them, which, you know, you're, you're super excited to give that money back when it's people that like really voted, but you know, were confident and you voted for you. They're like, right. all right, you can do this. Yeah. Like one of the proudest moments was my best friend's mom put in, I think five grand and uh, over the two years or whatever it was, I think she got doubled her money, gave her the money back and she bought a new couch. That, every time I go over there, she's on the couch. Like, oh, <laughs> That's great. I love this couch, Jesse. That's great. Yeah. yeah so that, that was to see the, you know, cause there was a lot of people were like, no one will ever live in that size house. There was, there was certainly a lot of pushback, um, that we didn't have garages. Like, no one's going to live, you know, in a house without a garage. But when I was younger living here, you know, I lived above a carport for a hundred bucks a month. I mm. lived in a laundry room for, you know, West 150 side of bucks was, a month. In the eighties yeah. was fun. Early nineties. Yeah. Like West side of Ben was a really fun place. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. It was a great place Lots to Lots of basements up. and, uh, yeah. Was, yeah, totally. So, We've got the mandatory home energy scores that are coming up, uh, yeah. you know, here really, really quickly. Um, how's hiatus homes set up to, to navigate that and score that? 
Yeah, well, uh, one of the cool things that's happened to us recently, um, I'm on the uh, board at COBA, Central Oregon Builders Association, um, and they had a green council uh, years ago, um, and they asked if I wanted to start that back up. Um, and so we did. Uh, and so it's now called the High Performance Building Council. If you're a COBA member, you can be a, mem uh, a member of the High Performance Building Council as well. Um, we've done about three meetings to kind of envision and figure out um, what we want the council to be about um, from kind of an internal group. Uh, but we'll have our first meeting um, uh, this month, uh, Wednesday, last Wednesday of the month. And it's going to be on the Home Energy Score. Uh, a few folks from the city will be there to try to explain it. Um, our energy modeler, Doug, uh, will be there as well. Um, it's really complex and it's, it, there is definitely some, uh, there's certainly, uh, some pros and cons to this whole thing. Um, every house that goes on the market is going to have to have a home energy score. Um, that rating is from zero to 10. Um, our, our houses are a, a nine or a 10. Um, a code bill home is somewhere between a five or a six, but what it really does for us and, and our, our kind of belief, uh, a belief in trying to have all homes be high performance homes and be more efficient uh, uh, to try to you know help the environment bring our our carbon footprint down and all of that stuff starts with with how efficient the home is um, but it really starts with people voting with their dollars you know so when we have our homes one of our you know the way we met as I was I came to your your office to you know explain to the real estate agents what a high performance home is because it's really easy to get. Uh, get lost in what what you're paying for in a high performance home because it's a lot of it's in the walls and the systems are really different. So this home energy score will make it so buyers are really it's really easy for them to see that you know this house that I'm going to buy is a six and this one is a ten. The other thing the report does is it has suggested um, things to make your house more efficient. So um, it might be uh, you know add in you know add more insulation uh, or or different factors that are bringing the score down. Mm -hmm. um, I think like any change that we have at the city um, or we have anywhere really, there's a there's a trial period, right? Like there's going to be some things we do wrong for sure, and they didn't get it right. And um, there's going to you know like we do with everything, we'll go back and look at it and um, and and make the tweaks that we have to. But it's coming, and that's. That's kind of the thing about the high performance stuff and why Coba wanted to start the council was because a lot of this stuff is not coming from us, you know, it's coming from the state, right. it's coming from the national uh, government as well. The the IRA now has uh, um, a lot of incentives for heat pump, wa uh, heat pump hot water heaters. Energy Trust of Oregon actually gives incentives back to builders uh, that build above code. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, we get anywhere from uh, I would say about four thousand to eight thousand dollars back from um, various incentive programs to build in a in a better way. So, um, so the the home energy score, while I think it's going to be a pain in the butt for for the for a lot of people and for a for a period of time, at some point it will just be become something that's uh, that's yeah, part just of the there. process. Yeah. yeah, and it's like it's it's like miles per gallon, right? Like the there's there just hasn't been a really a uh, consistent way to compare homes um, until the scores come along and it's been used in, in other places. Yeah. We did a, we did a podcast on it earlier and it's, you know, it's Austin, it's Portland. They're they're Yeah. You know, we're not the first ones to do this. Hey, I want to switch gears. I want to talk about sure. the funding model that, for the hiatus capital and Ryan um, run us through what it looks like, you know? Yeah, you bet. So I, we wanted to do this differently than the way, uh, real estate development has been traditionally funded. And also we're unique a little bit among 
real estate developers in that we do the full process. So we start with raw land, uh, we subdivide it and title it, we do horizontal, then we do the vertical, and then we do our own marketing and sales. So it's really this whole vertically integrated development process. Normally you get like, you know, land developers that focus on subdividing and then home builders that focus on just buying lots and building homes on them. And, you know, uh, people that just market properties, but we've tried to do the whole thing. And uh, as Jesse alluded to earlier about being like pulled into stuff, we got pulled into that. That wasn't something we sat down and premeditated as like, That's right, we yeah. want to be full stack developers. <laughs> it's like, well, we were like, well, these are different. So we better learn to market them. And, and the this lots, is an educational sale. Yeah. And the, and the lots, we, you know, our lots are really unique because they're very small. And so, you know, we had to uh, create our own lots basically to, you know, to build our own houses on it. So that's, that's why we kind of led to just being this like, do, do yeah. it all. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so how the fund started was at the end of the Benham project, which was the 22 cottage units, uh, we were returning a bunch of capital to all those friends and family investors. And I, Jesse and I had been kind of friends and had this, you know, like just, um, kind of informal relationship where we talk a lot about the projects and how to capitalize them. Ryan was my mentor. Uh, when I didn't know even what a performa was, I used to call it a pro forma. Um, <laughs> he, I, I bought him and, uh, his friend Jeff lunch like once a month, I think. Yeah. And, and we just talked through it. Yeah. And they, they'd get a whiteboard out and they're like, this is how you can finance that first project. So, you know, even at a very early, uh, time in hiatus's life, Ryan was a huge part of that, even just because I think he believed in it and he liked uh, he liked the sandwiches I was buying. I guess. Yeah, there, yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Free lunch. So, uh, so as we go to return um, all this capital, we were like, okay, we would like to do a series of projects here. Um, it's really competitive to get land, and so the syndication model of funding is where you uh, like a real estate sponsor group or whatever will go tie up a piece of property, like get you know get it under contract. And put some earnest money down, and then go, and then start calling all their investors and dial like, for dollars. In? Yeah, dial, dial for dollars, man. And then like, oh my gosh, it's sixty days, and then our due diligence expires, and our money goes hard. And it's, um, it it's a difficult way to do that business. And with land being so expensive and so competitive at the time, this is two and a half years ago. I, it was it would it was much more competitive to go to a landowner and be like you know, we have cash, we can close in a month. We'll do, you know, we'll do due diligence, we'll close. Then to be like, okay, we're going to raise a bunch of money and then we'll try and close. So we wanted to be able to be really efficient at um, at being able to make deals to get land. So that was kind of one piece. And then the other piece is two and a half years ago, we were sitting there going like, man, real estate's been really good for a really long time. We can't imagine getting through a series of, you know, three or four or five projects without some kind of a downturn, even though it's hard to imagine, right, at that <laughs> point. And so uh, quick, now here we are. How quickly that shifts, I know, right? how impressive yeah. yeah. we are, yeah. yeah. So um, we were like, we want to build a fund that can survive a downturn, that's structured to do that. Because everybody remembers in 08, you know, all these stubbed out lots that had been given back to the bank and everything, and, and we didn't want to be casualties of that in, uh, in development. And so we said, we want to raise an equity fund that is flexible so we can go buy land. So we basically tell our investors, this is our business model. It's small housing, it's energy efficient housing. Uh, right now all of our projects in Bend, but we would certainly do stuff statewide depending on the opportunity. And, you know, if you believe in it, 
give us your capital and we'll go find more deals like this. And so um, the first group of investors was that original group from the first project. We sent them all their checks out with a pitch deck of the new fund and mm. almost all that money came right back within two weeks Good. and seeded that next the next fund, which uh, today has about 5.3 million in it. It's uh, 50 investors, three quarters of them are local here. And so um, that was really important to us. We were approached early uh, by a couple of institutional private equity type groups that were like, all right, what if we gave you 10 million to go do big projects? And we were like, you know what? We think we can create a model here that's more grassroots oriented, that it's not like, well, a successful project, now we ship the dollars back to, to Wall Street but was like, no, it's the local investors supported the local development. And hopefully if they're successful, they do it again and again and again. And so, um, so we structured the fund to buy land, uh, buy it outright, not, you know, we haven't bought land with any debt. Uh, so we buy our land outright, we pay for our entitlements, our design, our city permitting. Um, and then we get to horizontal. Um, now to this point, we've paid for all of our horizontal infrastructure and cash as well. Because we want to be able to control our destiny. And even if we finish lots and we're like, well, it's not a good time to build, we right. want to be able to pause. And if you have an interest clock ticking up uh, behind you, you feel pressure to build into a recession or yeah. build into falling prices. And so we wanted to have the flexibility to pause because that's like the only thing we can control as developers it's very hard to control costs, very hard to control land, the city and all that, but we control our go, no go. And we wanted to be able to actually control that. And so, um, so that's the fund structure. It's pretty unique. So an investor that writes a $50,000 check into the fund gets an ownership piece in all four of our projects here. It's about 110 total units. Uh, so they get a slice of all four projects. And then as those projects finish up and we sell them out. We'll send everybody, here's your, here's your split of the profits. And then at the end, after the last project, we're like, all right, here's your original 50 grand back too. So, um, it's at this point, it's probably about a three to four year lifespan left in the fund. And it's great. been operating for about two and a half years. It sounds great too, that you have enough investors that you're probably, or hopefully not too heavy into any one person. And you don't, yeah, you don't a, get too much heat, right? It's, uh, that's you know. a really good point. And as this downturn has happened, um, you know, we were, I feel like we educated our investors really well to say like, look, if anything like that happens, if we have to pause, we're going to pause. Yeah. And, um, you know, that even has happened on our first development. After we finished the first house, the construction costs were pretty high on that because of where we were and the market was, you know, the interest rates had started to go up. So we paused, yeah. you know, and we we built through the second house. Now we uh, now we have a buyer on the first house, and we're good to go. But like it gave us that ability to slow down, and we reduced our cost from lot one to lot two, exact same houses um, by almost a hundred thousand dollars. Getting some real efficiency, yeah. Yeah, we got more efficiency, yeah. and so um, it's been a good model so far. And we know our investors really well. Like you know, we we do little hiatus hangouts and. Not everybody shows up, but you know, um, ten or fifteen of our investors will show up, and mm -hmm. uh, it's cool. It's a it's like a a club almost, and uh, um, yeah. To your point, it's it's really great now to have people that so they support this not just be, because of a return, they support it because of what it is, and uh, I think I think that's been like a 
that's been one of the coolest things that, that and you're not beholden been. to the bank. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, you've got some people who have common vision and, and maybe, and you know, have patient money. Yeah. Patient money's, you know, that's, that's important in, in what we do. And, you know, we all know banks are famous for giving you money when you don't need it. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. when you and need it, you're like, you sorry, you know, do. Like, yeah. what? wait, 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 wait. wait. So, so, the banks are never there when you need them the most. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what projects do you guys have going currently? Um, so we have Hyatt's Roosevelt, uh, which is seven lots. Um, most of those lots are a new model. We're doing a three bedroom, three bath. That's 1300 square feet. And then there's an ADU above a garage behind the main house, uh, which is kind of based on our cottage model, um, which is about 500 square feet. Um, and then there's a couple of our two bedroom, two bath models, uh, in those seven lots as well. So that's the one that's like in full construction right now. Um, we have a micro apartment uh, that's a 40 unit, but we may be adding units to that right now because of uh, what's happened in the economy. The, the, the equity that we had for that is we need more equity now. So the model is a little bit different um, and parking has gone away so we can reduce some of the parking and maybe add some units. So we have uh, basically the building permit is ready for issuance there, but we're doing um, a value engineering exercise right now to yeah. bring the cost down in that. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. What's a micro apartment look like? It has to be under 450 square feet. Um, at this point, the loft is not included in that. Um, so our micro apartments have a loft. Uh, so think of them as kind of an open one bedroom. Yep. Um, the common, there's another distinction for the micro apartment is common area. So every 10 units, there has to be I forget what the, I think 300 square feet of common area. So basically we have three floors and uh, in the middle of those floors is a kitchen living room with a cool hangout space, almost kind of like a um, co-working space yeah. sort of. Okay. Um, and then at that time in the code, uh, you only had to have 0.5 parking spaces. Um, so this, this piece of land that we looked at, we were basically able to get double the density because of the parking. Now parking has been eliminated um, so it's up to the developer if they want to add parking or not. So I think we will start to see some apartments that have no parking. Yeah, it's yeah. coming. Yeah. It's coming. Yeah, and then we have uh, Ninth Street, uh, which is a duplex that we're doing. Um, and there's nine of those. It's over off uh, uh, Juniper, over by Juniper Elementary. Um, that is, we're about to uh, put the construction, the horizontal construction documents into the city. Land, uh, land approval happened a while back. So um, hopefully you know, in about probably three or four months, we're uh, starting to build the lots. Um, and then our, our last project uh, brings us full circle back to the Benham area. Um, and that's a three acre uh, parcel where we're going to go back to the cottages again and just do um, five to 600 or 800 square foot um, cottages uh, in clusters. It'll have a walking path through it. There'll be some really cool common areas, common garden uh, and that type Great. of stuff. Great. And that's, we just purchased the land a while ago and we're just moving through our kind of initial site plan on that. So as we kind of wrap up, what do you see? What's, what's the next five years look like for you guys? Well, we just launched a new uh, program called hiatus at home. That was like our new initiative for the spring. Uh, and so one of the, we've talked a little bit about ADUs in this conversation, but one of the ways the city has really looked at to densify without having to knock homes down and create new subdivisions in the city is just to encourage people to put ADUs on their existing properties. Um, it's a great solution because it creates density inside 
without taking housing units offline for a year or two years or whatever uh, to redo it. It also the uh, the lots don't have to like turn over, be bought by a developer and a builder and then um, and everything. So uh, we've been looking at this for a little while. We've also kind of in and not again to being pulled into whatever the next thing is. For a couple of years, we've had so many people come and be like, you know, would you build it on my on my property? Would you build it or can I buy your plans or something? And we've always said, no, no, no. We just do our own developments. Well, we finally said maybe. And then we started exploring this business uh, um, where we will build our cottages or one of our units on your land. We call it like, you know, hiatus in your backyard. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's been a big initiative uh, for this year. We did it like a soft launch of that about a month ago and had like 118 people, you know, kind of poke us on it. Um, that's filtered out to what might be initially like five or six ADUs, which is really all we want to take on for right. the moment. Uh, in a month or so, you know, we'll be ready to to take on some more and kind of grow that part of the business. So we want to be really smart about how we um, grow this brand um, and get it out there. We want to get more of our homes out there in the community on lots and developments that we would never buy the land and do ourselves. And so this is a cool way to do it. Um, the next initiative might be going outside of Oregon. And so where, uh, and kind of where that one's come from is uh, we raise capital primarily from Bend investors, local investors for the first two years. At the beginning of this year, we said, okay, we're going to, you know, expand that and, and take investors from uh, all over. So we started doing some marketing online and, you know, a million people clicked on our cool looking photos and everything. And a lot of them are investors and that's great. But for every one investor, there's somebody that's like, oh, can you, you know, can you ship me one of these to Birmingham, Alabama or Kissimmee, Florida, or Atlanta, Georgia? Boxable model, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And we're, yeah. and so we're scratching our heads now being like, okay, the hiatus at home where we will sell our plans and work with you to get our cottage built in your backyard. Uh, the next iteration might be adapting that out of state to Texas and Florida and all that, where it'll probably be a similar model where we sell our plans. We work with a local structural engineer to get it hurricane rated instead of snow load rated, right? For Florida. And then, um, and then ultimately work with either a, um, a modular type, builder and get these things redesigned for modularity or work with local general contractors to build them on site. Um, we don't see ourselves ever having like a subcontractor footprint across the country, like Mm -hmm. a national builder, but instead almost more like a franchising type model where we can get our homes across the country in developments. Um, and I mean, the demand for this is so strong. I would say, geez, I'm getting four or five inquiries a day. Um, to do stuff like that. And, but every state, every area that we do it in is different. And so we're trying to figure out, you know, are there 20 people in Dallas, Texas that want this? Maybe that's when we launch there. Right. Um, right now they're kind of from all over. And so uh, maybe I need a map. I can start sticking Hitting pins, the pins on, yeah, the, on the wall. Yeah. Uh, to figure out where the demand is. But I, I see those couple things as maybe the next um, uh, iterations of this business. And then I think, building through the four projects Jesse just went through, showing success, delivering returns to the investors and delivering those housing units to Bend, then like proves out the model even more 
and uh, and maybe we'll open up doors for us to do this at a bigger scale. That's great. I really want to compliment you guys. You know, uh, we see, you know, I've been a licensed real estate agent and I built a few houses and, you know, a lot of, um, we see a lot of people who are like guys that are like framers who pick up trucks and they just start banging nails. And the next thing you know, they're, they got a contractor's license and they're building a spec house or building a custom. And what you guys are doing is really sophisticated and above and beyond what I think most home builders are uh, initially you know, starting out intentionally what they're doing. You know, I think most people are like, Hey, how do we, how do we build a three, two and sell it? And right. I really think what, you know, you guys have a really keen understanding of code and what's coming down the pipe and you're on the proactive front end, uh, end of things. And it's, it's really impressive. And I've really enjoyed having you guys here today. So thanks, thanks a lot man. For I really coming. appreciate yeah. that. Thank you for joining us on navigating real estate. Listen, follow, drop us a review. Your feedback means a lot, and if you like what you're hearing, make sure to share it.